It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What's up, lacrosse fans? Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network for EP 179. Jake Kelly, Brett Schellen are with you, and great program lined up for you, as per usual here, as we have two great guests coming up. We got our Stampede Stallions. We got Who You Got, Lax Class Locks. All sorts of stuff on today's program. Uh, Bradley, what's going on? How was uh, the weekend? You had a busy weekend, double-dipping, calling games in both Calgary and Saskatchewan. Welcome home. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Nice to see you. No, it was, it was fun getting out to two of, of the best road cities and road barns they really in are. the National Lacrosse League. And I call yeah. them road because I live in Vancouver. But Calgary was absolutely rocking. We'll talk to Jimmy Quinlan, and I'll make the point at the end of that interview that Saskatel felt like they were 10 and 5 and not 5 and 10, the way that that place was making noise. Like, it was loud in there. It was it was super loud on the broadcast and in the arena, and they put on a good show. The Saskatchewan Rush did. So, you know, I'm happy to be happy back. It was beautiful weather in Calgary. It was like 22 degrees and sunshine. I almost got a sunburn in Calgary. Yeah, Sask was cold, but... Just two, like, super hospitable cities. I saw you forgot to pack the razor, but that's okay. It's not like you're on national TV or anything. You know, they say that <laughs> they say that the 5 o'clock shadow is like makeup for a man. Oh, so I did you know, not just, know. It just sort, of, just sort of makes everything contoured a little bit. Not up on my masculine makeup, right? I guess. Uh, yeah, no, it looked like a, a good time there. And, man, I... Spent the weekend out in White Rock, Brad. It was beautiful out there. Actually got to check out some minor lacrosse on Saturday morning, which just warmed the heart. I'm telling you, man, it's been so long since I just sat in a local rink and just watched the kids unabashed play some lacrosse and watched little girls' action, little boys' action, and it felt really good. Uh, Randy Ellis stays out there in White Rock, by the way, as uh, Poco and Burnaby played a, a junior game on Saturday night. But I was hunkered down in front of like four different screens watching lacrosse. Actually, you know what else they did, Brad? Made it down across the border. Went into no America on Saturday wow. afternoon. First time in two years. Got, well, Trader Joe's. Yeah, got some. That's exactly what I did. Got some gas, Trader Joe's, a little specialty coffee. Yeah, it was uh, it was a good little jaunt down to to Bellingham. Felt that's, weird. Yeah, that's cool. Felt weird. I know. I I haven't crossed the border in in two years either. I'm hoping to get down to a Mariners game. I think sometime in in the summers. We've got Eli McLaughlin joining us, yes. fresh off of a Colorado Rockies <laughs> opening weekend game. Fresh so I think, off I think something <laughs> Liger's a little on the mend. We're gonna just a little heads up on that. We'll talk to him in a few minutes. But uh, yeah, it must be. Yeah. It's even weird. Like so, well, a little bit of the traveling that we've done. I've been to Saskatchewan, Cal, uh, Alberta, and and all over BC the last little while. Hamilton. And it's like COVID is sort of not existing until you get into an airport, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's masks and sanitizer and mm-hmm. distancing again. And so it's weird here in Western Canada. Like there, it's COVID feels like it's almost non-existent as far as restrictions go until you walk into an airport and then it seems sort of real 
again. Getting closer, man. I don't know. They're, I don't know. I get off here, but they're talking about another six wave of another variant of overcurrent. Like I just, if mass and all that shit comes back, man, I don't even want to go down the road. So, like Brad mentioned, Eli McLaughlin and Jimmy Quinlan coming up in quarters number two and three. Evan back in quarter four for who you got in last class locks and who we had the week that was here in quarter number one and Stampede Stallions, of course. Brad, I don't know, four and four got you in the top ten of who you got this week. I had another subpar three and five week, which wasn't terrible considering how some other people did, I suppose, but... This was a just a, a wacky week in the National Lacrosse League. I don't even know how to put my finger on this thing. Well, I, I could grab the soundbite of you saying that and probably rerun it back for the last month because I feel like that's what March was, and now that's definitely what April is going to be on. Buffalo is on a two-game losing streak. San Diego is on a four-game losing streak. Vancouver is on a three. Calgary's won four in a row. New York beats Buffalo. There's just – it's it's – it's madness, but this is, you know, I, this is what we do is we have to come on here in week one and two and speculate about how teams are lining up against each other. But, you know, speaking with, um, with Kurt Malowski this week, and he's, he was kind of of the mindset of not so much saying who gives a crap about January and February, but there was just, I think some teams were jumping out of the gate in January, February, and you're starting to see those teams now trending in the wrong direction where there's some teams that just sort of steady Eddie stay the course. And now they're on winning streaks when it matters the most with playoffs on the line. So, you know, I really think this, the season is a marathon. I don't care if you're 13 and three, there's some eight and eight teams right now that I think are the hottest teams heading into the postseason. Yeah. Funny how that can work sometimes. And I think this first game is probably the prime example of it on Friday night, Brad, where Halifax, what were they at one point? Eight and eight and one. Eight, eight and one, and now they've lost five. They've lost five of six. Yeah, now or they're four of four or five. Nine. No, they've lost six. five of six. Sorry, they've lost five of six, and they're now nine and six. Where Calgary started out, what, Brad? Two and seven, something like that, and now they're nine and, or excuse me, eight and seven as they beat the Halifax Thunderbirds at home. Big two and zero weekend here for Calgary as they go from fifth up into third, and now after that second victory seemingly feel like they have a lock on third place and maybe aspirations for a little bit more. They could get a home game. And this is the first Adam Levy nugget. We're going to drop here about eight minutes into the podcast. There, there might be more later, but the first Levy nugget was that the Roughnecks haven't had a four game winning streak since the 2014 season. Wow. Eight years since the Calgary Roughnecks have had a four game winning streak the 2014 season they lost in the mini game in the finals to Rochester on a team that had a Calgary team that had Sean Evans Dane Doby Jeff Shetler Curtis Dixon and you look back at that team you're like man well how did that team with three MVPs yeah. and le- and goal scoring leaders and some of the best of their generation not close it but it was the stinking mini game that then but anyways calgary roughnecks very impressive <laughs> halifax stinking mini we, game. They, we thought they were going to sort of write themselves after beating up on rochester and rochester i've said it every week it seems to be like the team that that teams beat to get right and then yeah. start their little streaks against 
didn't work so much for the Halifax Thunderbirds is they were just, they're flat. They were just, unfortunately for the Thunderbirds, they were flat. The righties really didn't do much. Bushy and Shanks didn't have great nights. Evie was trying to take over some shifts by himself and he looked okay at times, you know, Fennell and, and Jamison and Jammer or Jammer. Jamerson. Jamison. <laughs> that's his new name. Jamerson. And feed and feed like they, they were okay, but that Halifax yeah. team just caught, got caught flat and Calgary is too young and too fast and too quick. And their superstars are heating up at the right time, right? Delbs and, well, that's, and Curtis Dixon and their best players right now me, are their Brad. best players. That's where it starts for me. Like, yeah, you know, you're going to get the production out of the natural Jesse King and, and Curtis Dixon and Tyler Pace and Dan Taylor have been chipping in nicely. Haywire's in the group there. But a lot of people were concerned about Christian Del Bianco at the start of this season and the numbers and the slow start. Now, Calgary is just notoriously a slow starter, but Christian has turned his game around. And as that has happened, so has the Calgary rough next season. And I don't like, I think that's the straight line here, like the correlation. And what was even more impressive about this victory over Halifax was their next victory. A night later, over Panther City, who came in the hottest team in the NLL, winners of five in a row, and Calgary just kicked the snot right out of Panther City. What was it, bro? 14 to 4, and this thing was never close. Like, it was over before it started, and that's on a back-to-back there for the Roughnecks, which I think just throw that whole theory of teams struggling – like. Forget it. Calgary is on a heater here, and Panther City looked like the expansion team from week two. Yeah, well, Calgary Calgary was prepared for this game. Like, the lineup that they put out on Friday night was in preparation for the lineup they were going to roll out on Saturday. Unfortunately, Hayden Dixon got Yeah, what got happened there? Because I missed that them. on the broadcast. What happened? You know what? He... Did you catch the the crease dive where yes. Warren Hill got yeah. injured and, and Aaron Bold? I think I don't think I saw, and someone could correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think Hayden Dixon came back into the game after that crease dive. He didn't even land on Warren Hill. He just sort of landed and fell awkwardly in the crease, and then Warren Hill sort of tumbled underneath yeah. himself. I don't. They didn't. They didn't collide. But I don't think Hayden Dixon came back after that, and then he was put on the IR and didn't come back um, the next night. So they really missed him. Like I know Kermilowski's super high on Hayden Dixon, Should be. but they're starting to get contribution from their rookies. Like the Tanner cook goals Holy. on Friday and the one, no goal too. the one, no, like he was, he was insane. And their rookies are really coming to their own now at the 12 and 13, 14 game mark of the season and really contributing. Dan Taylor had the best night of his career, his first four goal game as a career. So they're getting their secondary. And I really think they're prepared. They beat Panther city beat them twice on the second half of back-to-backs every time they've played Panther city has been the second half of a back-to-back. So I think they've had, they've had time to figure out what went wrong on those games and then not let it happen for the third time. And you know, they are that, that, that staff obviously does their homework and they game plan well, game plan, what game planned. <laughs> Jamerson. Well for me, listen, I'm back home after, after a three night road trip. Okay. I need to need to get the mouth back moving again. Switch the flip, man. Flip the switch. That'll make sense later. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, what I'm trying to say is that Calgary was prepared, really prepared, I think, for this Panther City game, knowing that they were going to have them for the third time in the back-to-back. And they brought their legs, and they played exactly the game that they wanted to play, and they dominated Panther City four-game win streak. Let's jump back to Friday, and the Philadelphia Wings surprised big time in this one as well one thing they know how to do brad is win overtime games apparently and they do that down in san diego i don't know how many people saw this one coming but philadelphia gets a huge 13 12 victory here over the seals they desperately needed this one ben mcintosh the overtime hero four goals in that game doby did not dress for the weekend and they missed him but i'm just I don't know, Brad. I'm looking at this San Diego team, and Audie's banged. Now Doby's really banged, obviously not to play. I'm looking at Brody Merrill, and he's not quite running right either. Is Frankie slowing down here in the back half of the season? San Diego is going the wrong direction at the wrong time of the season, and Philadelphia keeps their playoff hopes alive as they get to 500. Beat a team over 500. And do it on the road in overtime. There's a lot, a lot going on here. So first of all, Philly's now four and zero in OT, and I don't have the exact number in front of me, but I know that's at least two of the games that it's been won on the first possession, like faceoff win, Trevor Backpiece. They always time call out, timeout go, too. Go up the go up the floor and and win the game, and they did that exactly again. Ben McIntosh from deep. So nice to see Ben McIntosh sort of shake the monkey off his back. He's been up and down this season. It looks like he's finally fitting in. And now Philly has won a couple in a row when it matters the most, when people were counting them out. San Diego's lost four in a row. And San Diego is now 0-3 against the East. And this has been a bit of a trend. San Diego and Vancouver both 0-3 against the East, who are 10-6 and combined against the West. So the East has definitely had the West number this season. I think that's a kind of a curious little nugget. But I think you're right. I think San Diego definitely has some I just think some issues so and, and some up. health. Yeah, yeah. It's like you know they've got they've locked they've clinched a playoff spot. Doby's on the IR right now. You kind of maybe like to see them rest up, but like they've got a busy schedule still. They've got three more games against Western Division opponents that are all going to mean something. Like they could fall out of their out of a home playoff date right yeah. now. So they're kind of fighting for that. Like how much with the fans in San Diego and be important to that franchise for them to lock up a home playoff date. I think they'll be absolutely massive. So they still got a lot to play for, but I do think they're one of those kind of teams that are limping in to the postseason. If they get healthy, they're still going to be one of the top teams, but I think they're limping at the final, final stages of the regular season here. Yeah. Well, let's just jump back to Saturday here because you mentioned the four in a row and that I believe includes the loss to the Colorado Mammoth, 11-10, another one-goal game here, but a loss, still a loss. And Colorado finds just another way to, to win lacrosse games here. And, man, are they on on the right trajectory here at the right time? They were kind of Jekyll and Hyde early in the season, and they're still a bit of a t- tough team to kind of put a finger on, whether they're an offensive team or a defensive team. But they just find ways to win games here. And now they're sitting at 10 and six and in first place in the Western conference. And I just, I don't think anybody saw that coming. No, maybe they did. Maybe they did. They've got, they've got a plus two goal differential on the season. And if you look at the two teams above them in this league standings, Buffalo has got like a plus 50 something (laughs) goal differential. 
and the rock are plus 30. So, you know, to be at the top of the league and still being allowing almost as many goals as you're scoring pretty impressive that they've snuck out these wins, but they've got some OT wins as well. Dylan Ward's going to give you a chance to win. And just, they've got three 30 goal scorers now in their offense with Lee Robinson and McLaughlin. I don't want to play Colorado in the playoffs. No, they're just so, I think they're pretty, they're pretty well-rounded right now. And with that offense where there's so many different weapons and so many different guys can go off on different nights. Like we're not even talking about Zed Williams right now. And like Gibson scores two. Um, Connor Robinson's a 40 goal guy now in the national lacrosse oh, league. It's man. been pretty cool to watch. What them put a it bust out right season now. for Robbie 40. Did you, did you see the Cooper Perkins article no. about what? So he wrote an article on um, his, his lax metrics blog. And it's basically about what happened to the Saskatchewan rush this season and a large pointing to uh, was the departure of Connor Robinson yeah. because they've lost so many one goal games and two goal games. And you can say the same thing about Ben McIntosh, but what the, the point was, was that this is what Robinson was doing in Saskatchewan. This is what he, if he was in that lineup, this is what maybe he would have been averaging goals wise. He goes to Colorado and he's overperforming that from a metric standpoint. Like right. I think we knew from junior, what Connor Robinson could bring once given that opportunity, but you know, when Saskatchewan is losing all these one and two goal games, what would have Robinson done or what would obviously what would have been Ben McIntosh done in that lineup to have that team winning those games that they were losing by a single goal this year? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's been, it's been remarkable to, to watch. And, and it's just kind of like it, on any given night, two or three guys are stepping up on that mammoth team and getting the job done offensively. And they're always going to be stout defensively with Pat Coyle's systems and, and the kind of players he likes on the back end. And, and like you said, Dylan Ward has had his off nights so far this year, but he's rounding into form as well and, and looking better than ever. So Colorado, pretty scary team right now. Another scary team in the NLL has got to be the Toronto Rock. They nip the, the Nighthawks 11-9 here, Brad. And just, I don't know, man, they, they seem to just kind of like, okay, we're going to trade serve here with you for three quarters. And then when it became time to, to kind of get in gear, they just stepped on them and, and they go away winning this one 11-9, Challenge Rogers with, with a big goal late in this game. I think Latrell Harris with maybe the stat line of the week. Let me just pull this up here if I can get it for LT. Uh Two goals, three assists, five points, three shots on goal, nine loose balls, and five cause turnovers. <laughs> like, holy that is God. manly. That, that is... is a man's stat line right there. <laughs> That's like the only guys doing that this year, Messenger. I don't Curry. think Courier has a two-goal no. game. Yeah. Like it, um, but those are the kind of guys that he's being compared to. Right what now. is he, Brad? He's still young, like really young. It's like 22. It's yeah. like 22. Scary stuff there. So Toronto keeps it rolling. And now they're, you know, with uh, with a couple of Buffalo losses here, they they got they got their eyes on a, on a home playoff date and, and potentially first place still as well. Yeah, and they're, they're one of those teams that are heating up at the right time. They've won three in a row to wind up, to wrap up the season. They still got another two games to go. And I think... You know, they've got a, a playoff game this weekend, essentially, against Halifax. So I think that's the game that might determine 
home floor advantage and, and number two overall. And that's a super important game for both those two teams. They both got really good home records. They've both got fan bases that would love to, obviously every fan base would love to see a home game, but I really think it's important in Toronto and Halifax, especially Halifax being a newer market and missing all those dates at the beginning of the year without fans. And now Toronto being in a new home and trying to sort of recapture the lacrosse imagination of Southwestern Ontario. So I think home floor is super important. And you're going to see a playoff like game between these two teams this weekend, but Nick Rose is in conversation for goaltender of the year, Challen Rogers for transition. There's another offense where they're getting the most out of their lefties. Now it doesn't matter if Dawson or Hellier misses a game. Um, they come back and they, they do damage as congratulations to Dan Dawson, by the way, who moved into sole possession of the assist king in the history of the national lacrosse league pretty good player dan dawson pretty good uh two more games to go here one person and one person only picked the new york riptide to beat the buffalo bandits in one bobby sorry uh well done to you sir but holy cow new york riptide with no callum crawford in their lineup so I just had to double check, but they get nine from Teat. They originally had him down for 10. I believe they have taken an assist away there for Teat, who scored mm-hmm. six. And now Teat's looking like the rookie of the year. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> like, I don't know how you two, like he's going to crush rookie records and he missed two games and he's still got a few to go. And speaking of records, Dean Smith puts up eight assists and just blows past Mark Matthews, 84. He's got 87 now. He could have, he could have a hundred. He could have a hundred assists. I think he's going to do think it. That's, I don't think that's too far out of the reach. No, he's got, I think he's going to do it, Brad. Oh man. Yeah. It's, it's been fun to watch Dane Smith fall out this season just on another absolute another level but how do the bandits lose to the riptide here brad because this uh i'm not gonna lie this is when i was down at trader joe's here so i didn't actually get a chance to digest this game you know i i had it on kind of one eye as i was prepping the vancouver and and uh saskatchewan game but like it seemed to me for a chunk of the game that it was a rare stinker for matt vince which Mm. never happens um, so their defense wasn't as stout as it's been. And I think there were some goals that Matt Vincent probably want back and then credit for the New York rip. Like we know what their offense can do, but their defense was really shoring things up. And, and Orleman was, was fantastic. There was a couple of really few stops late in that game. And then it got sort of out of hand and Buffalo got to like Buffalo started chipping away in the fourth quarter. And we thought, Oh, this could be a Buffalo comeback. We know they can score in bunches. This game is not over yet. And then the penalty troubles started opening up. And I I feel like the Buffalo bandits were when they knew it was sort of over from a score sheet perspective and they got in the penalty trouble. Now it's just like, well, these fans still want to show. So can we get a little chippy? Can we get these fans on our side who were like the fans were standing up and cheering the bandits when they walked off the floor after a loss, which is bandit nation bandit fans are just on bandit land is just unreal yeah so yeah like they got some bad penalties and frustration i think ruined it for them at the end they had a chance to sort of mount a comeback but bit of an off night by vince and then just some undisciplined um hectic stuff down the stretch at the end of this game there's like three penalty shots for the new york riptide 
because there's so many bandit players in the box in the final couple of minutes. <laughs> I was wondering. So when shows, I was like, okay, you see that. But he, Jeff Teets three for four on the season now, like pretty yeah. much close to automatic on on the power play. Sometimes they gave Noseworthy uh, they gave Noseworthy a penalty shot because he's the former bandit and they yeah. were kind of he was having a chippy night going back and forth. So that was a fun game and credit to the Riptide. Like five and ten, three more games to go. Again, the league hasn't put out their scenarios. I don't know what eight and ten will do for the Riptide if they if they win out, but a chance to play spoiler and really get people talking and build for the future. Yeah, the big dogs got that team pointed in the right direction for sure. And I it's kind of a creepy thought, but I I often wonder what it would be like to look through Jeff Teat's eyes. You know what I mean? Just sit inside his face and be able to look out and see what he sees when he's playing lacrosse. How cool would that be? Because I, I, I just wonder, when he's coming down on a breakaway or a penalty shot, does he even see a goalie or does he just see net and corners? And like, <laughs> I'm shooting here and the, see the ball go in the net. It's crazy, his vision, Brad. I, out of all his attributes, I think it's the vision that makes him so sensational. Well, it's the, and to me, it's the sort of the patience and the calm and cool. The game goes and at collectedness. His yeah, he never looks like he's in a hurry to do anything, whether it's a penalty shot, whether it's on the power play, whether it's five on five, whether it's back checking and trying to cause a turnover and heading back up the floor. Like, it then never looks like he's moving too fast, but yeah. he's stride for stride with everybody. It's it's that slow. I always describe it as slow motion. I think Dawson sees the game in slow motion. Good one, I think yeah. Sean Evans at his prime saw the game in slow motion, even though he moved really fast. It's just it, they can move at a different pace than everybody else. And you're right. People have to dictate to that pace. And I was thinking about this watching this game, what he's going to look like in 10 years. Like He's already <laughs> right <laughs> Yeah, no, I can't help but he laugh. Played, he's he's like he's got like Dawson didn't slow it down at the beginning either. It wasn't until he started like yeah. he was a power forward. Then he was like, "Hey, I'm going to be the assist guy." But like Teach doing it as a rookie. Yeah. So he already, he's playing like a master. He's playing like a guy who's got ten years of experience under his belt. What's he going to look like when he actually does? Yeah, I I wish I knew the answer to that, man. I can't wait to see what the answer will be like it, Brad, we're going to have the treat to watch this kid from right, you know, out of junior through his entire pro career. And we're, we're going to get to witness it all. And I, not everybody's going to be that lucky. And this is a guy that we're going to be talking about for a long, long time. And on the Buffalo side, a couple of losses here, but we've been kind of talking about it, about the bandits that maybe this Buffalo team kind of needs this, Get, get this out of the way here so when it comes to playoff time, you kind of have that taste in your mouth that the raw meat and, and the dog and the bone and all that. You're hungry going in instead of just on cruise control. If the playoffs started tonight, my favorite <laughs> sentence, Buffalo would place face Georgia. One and done. That's no so there's gonna be some real. There, and there's going to be some upsets. There's going to be some upsets across the league, whether it's a four seed beating a one seed somewhere. Um, it's going to happen. It's going to happen on one of the sides. And yeah, if you're trending in the wrong direction, heading into the postseason, you run into Georgia, look out. Well, there's your hot take if you get on coast to coast this weekend, Brad. A four seed is going to upset a one seed. 
You're welcome. I am on Coast to Coast this week. Oh, there you I go. Don't, uh, I think I was going to lean in another direction. I'll leave you hanging there. Right. But that's, uh, that's a good nugget. Good uh, one more game to go here. The final game on Saturday night. And we talked to Jimmy Quinlan about it a lot. So we'll just kind of get into this briefly here. But I think, well, Saskatchewan beats Vancouver 15-13. And Vancouver not dead yet. Now they need some help. But their playoff hope's still alive with uh, with a couple of wins and, and a couple of losses from other teams here. But I... The thing that jumps off of me, and maybe this is a little bit crazy, is the three stars, Brad. And I saw you tweet this out about people who are picking the three stars in our league need to take their job and the, the privilege a little more seriously here as they name the first, the second, and the third. And this is not the first time we've seen this. This is not exclusive to Saskatchewan. This is not exclusive to Vancouver because it happened to Vancouver when they were in Calgary as well. Full disclosure, Brad and I, for the most part, will pick the three stars in Vancouver. And I'd like to think, Brad, that we are very objective when we do that. And this was just clearly not the case here in Saskatchewan. And I think something needs to be said about it because it's important. It's important. And, and you're, not, you're not doing yourself or the league or the players any favors loading up on one team with a three-star sweep in a 15-13 game where one guy scored seven and another guy scored 10 points on the other team. Like, give me a break here. Yeah, and I know that the rush are back in the win column and new head coach and it was exciting and there was a real buzz in that building like after a tough season that almost like a new chapter and a new era starts now because they looked at times during that game like the rush of the past. Like when they were skipping the ball around on the offense, their power play, the stout defense from their top guys, the youth that they're bringing in, like there was glimpses of, oh man, if this team had just put a couple more wins together earlier this year, they're as good as any other team in the, in the West right now. Like there was some scary, scary moments of this game. You're like, man, it's just too bad that it's probably too little too late. We don't get to see what this team could do in the postseason because it'd be fun to watch. But that said, you know, no disrespect to Ryan Keenan, but to not give a star to to Killen or Keegan Ball is just downright disrespectful. It's a joke, pretty much. And you do have to take that job seriously. It's not just I, they don't. They, I don't know if they don't are thinking that hey, this is not something that it just gets posted in the building or no. This goes on the official game sheet that goes back to the National Lacrosse League. So now you're handicapping Kyle Killen and and Keegan Ball and the damage that they did. So yeah, I do think that you have to take some more stock. You know, you, you and I go back and forth when we do them. Like we share our list together, we debate them because we take pride in handing that in and going, this is who best reflected this game. Win or lose, Homer away. Who were the three best players on the floor tonight? Yeah. Who impacted the game the most? Take a little pride, be objective, and don't be a homer. Like when it comes to this, it's not, it's unacceptable, really. Like, Brett, when I was a kid watching Hockey Night in Canada, I was, where's the harp music here? But like the three stars at the end of the game were a huge deal. They'd come out on the ice, they'd give a wave to the fans. There was like a, a league end award for three star award here. Like, and now people are just, ah, oh, yeah, like it's a sweep for the home team here. And again, it's not just Saskatchewan here. We're not picking on them. 
This is a PSA to everybody across the league that if you get the honor and the privilege to pick the three stars, do your damn job correctly because it matters. No, I'm with you. I would, if you're I still at a Canucks game, we'll wait till they do the three stars until, until I leave. And like they do in the summertime, the, the salmon bellies will do a three stars and they come out of the, the room yes. and they do a little loop around. And it's part of the, it's part of the in-game experience. And I know, yeah, it's better to have Ryan Keenan come out and do some clapping than, than Killen or Keegan Ball in Saskatchewan. But it's just, uh, you know, it, it wasn't right. It's so, a blatant slap in the face to these guys if you don't do it properly. But as far as the game goes, oh, Jumbo, man. I think it was going to be a tough game for Vancouver. We see what happens when coaching staffs change. Like, look at look at Boudreaux. In, in, in Vancouver, the NHL, like a, a new coach comes in, you usually win a couple of games. There's a little bit of a halo effect. The, the rush talking all week long that they wanted to get it done. A for Macomb too, just to say like, kind of, sorry, it wasn't your fault. It was, it's on us. We can still do this. And then to get it done for, for Jimmy and Derek Keenan and show them that they still have it in them. I think it was gonna be tough for Vancouver to go into. And they were with them the entire game. You know, it was a, it was a, Vancouver led at 6-4. They allowed three goals in 52 seconds. Saskatchewan took the lead 7-6, and they never looked back. And they just, Vancouver would get one. They swapped goals pretty much the rest of the game. I think there was one Saskatchewan two-goal run later on. Like, that was it. And every time someone scored, there was an answer. The, well, Brad, the Saskatchewan was... rush defense was looking as good as they, they ever were. And then if Keegan Ball and Kyle Killen score 12. That was 12. the problem. I mean, it's Vancouver's not a problem, but it's a problem, goal. Brad. It's a problem when when the lefties are blanked, yeah. And those two guys go off like that. And just one empty that was netter. the difference maker. If they would have got, you know, if there was one or two goals from Logan shots, one or two goals from Lowen who had some good opportunities and Charlotte a couple from Charlotte Beatties, yeah, that that's your ball game right there. That would have been game over, Vancouver win. Yeah, and, and maybe just a little too much of that happening over the course of the last few games here for Vancouver. I thought Bouquet was good enough to, to get the win in that game. So I don't want to hang it on to the goaltender because I didn't think Eric Penny was particularly stellar either. It was just one of those high-scoring games, and they just didn't get enough secondary production. You know, their two top goal scorers got the job done, and then there was just too many passengers on the offensive end. But give Saskatchewan some credit here as well as, as like you said, they came out and they played that game hard. And now it sets up an absolutely massive clash back here in Vancouver on Saturday night against the Calgary Roughnecks, which we will talk more about in quarter number four. But before we get to quarter number two, Brad, we got to go to the Stampede Stables. I'm waiting, Brad. I don't know why that chokes me. Up. Maybe you like should practice. You know, you know what? Bit. You know what I should do? Like, you know what I could do way better than horse noises? I can come up with horse songs. I could go to photo. What if I just started singing a, a song? I, know. I think Danny, the word horse. I think Danny is this the beginning of a new challenge. No, I'd upset Danny. Yeah. yeah. Which that's her favorite part of the podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, so right. golden here. We, 
have reached the Stampede Stables, courtesy of Stampede Tack in Western Wear. Did you know they carry a wide selection of Carhartt hoodies, jackets, t-shirts, overalls, toques, beanies? Carhartt is both functional and fashionable. Need some gear for your crew at work? They have corporate bulk orders, too. They even have Carhartt for kids. Be sure to drop by Stampede Tack, located in Cloverdale since 1966, or online, where it's still shopping local, at stampede.ca. Stampede Stallions of the Week, Brad. Uh, you get to go first, as usual. I'm going with a two-game average here for oh. my Stampede Stallion of the Week. I think there was a couple options we could have gone um, for the Calgary Roughnecks, but let me just throw these stats out there. Over a two-game spread, Friday night, Saturday night, in a combined 893 save percentage, 75 saves, 10 goals against in 110 minutes and 35 seconds of lacrosse action. The phenom Christian Del Bianco, they gave him a break with about, uh, what was it? 825 left in the second game against Panther city where Landon Kells. He looks like he's 14 gets, by the way, Brad. Just I know. Right. <laughs> such, such a baby face landed Kells. Holy. He allows two in the final couple minutes to, to Panther city. But what, Christian Del Bianco did against Halifax what he did for the three and change quarters against Panther City was unbelievable this this weekend. And you said it a few minutes ago, Jake. Like if when Del Bianco's hot like that, the Calgary Roughnecks are almost impossible to beat. And he was MVP this weekend, along with honorable mention of Curtis Dixon, who had a sock trick, six goals against um the Panther City Lacrosse Club. But had a beyond Del Bianco's getting too. hot. And that's scary right now. And Evan, 893 over two games. He had two goals against in 51 minutes. Like, it's almost like he could have played out and maybe set set a, a league record. Yeah, if, they, if he but finishes like, that let's game. Give, let's yeah. give the kids some touches. And the, and the Roughnecks don't give a crap about Either any see. records or anything Either like that. See. So, two goals against in 51-35 is insanity. Phenomenal, Brad. Phenomenal by the phenom, Christian Del Bianco. Good selection. I'm actually picking two. I'm exercising my right to do so, Brad, so stick with me here. These two gentlemen are going into the stable for different reasons, but the same reason. One is Dane Smith for breaking the all-time assist record. Single season. Single season, excuse me. Thank you. Surpassing Mark Matthews, 84. He now has 87 and still three games to go. He's joining the stable now because he's going to just blow that record out of the water. And the other guy set the all-time assist record, passing John Tavares with 935. Dan Dawson and Dane Smith are my stallions this week, making a little National Lacrosse League history in Week 19. I really think we're in like a real golden age right now. And I hope the league gets better and better and better and better. But I think one day we might be looking back at this time of Dane Smith and Lyle Thompson and Mark Matthews and Dan Dawson and going, man, we were really, and Jeff Teat in his rookie season. I think we were really spoiled around this time, especially coming off a pandemic and then having sort of all this pent up frustration and rage from these players coming out on the floor. It's been special to see, man. Let me ask you this. Mm. Does Dane Smith 
one day set the all-time assist record. Yeah. If he stays healthy, I don't see how he doesn't. I, I mean, that's a long time to play. But I think Dane is on a – like, Dan got off to a slow start in his career. Remember, he was a sixth-round draft pick, and he wasn't yeah. – Producing Dan, at the he, clip he that started, he started right, even though he started out transition his first year. Like by his second year, he was already putting up numbers. Yeah. So if he stays and, at that pace for you know the next decade, yeah. 126 points right now. He's 11 shy of tying his single season points record of 137. He's got two more games to do it. So your hot take of him getting up to one. 47 jumbo he's gonna need 21 points over his next two games uh, it's doable i mean it was a hot take but that is doable for him it wouldn't be the first time he had 21 points in two games i bet adam levy look it up so congratulations to those two guys i'm loving living in a time right now where we're seeing these records being smashed and broken and it's not just because there's more games in a season like dane smith is playing at a Uber. What was that take by a Dallas that was player. just ridiculous, Brad? Something about the only league award that matters is rookie of the year because the rest of them, if you just play long enough, happen. That is like the coldest take I've ever heard. Almost not not awards. It was it's points. Like not very impressed with the points records because yeah, you play long enough, those records will fall. He was most impressed by the rookie. Okay. Scoring right. What Dane's which is doing... also an 18 game season versus what used to be a 16 and what it was even less before. Yeah, but scoring 50 in a season or doing what Dane is doing this season in a single season is ultra impressive. So I just thought it was a, just a weird. I think it's coming from a guy that played in eight game seasons and maybe he's a little bit bitter about that. Well, here's here's what I think. I think there's, and I'm not naming any names, but I kind of feel bad for guys who were superstars, maybe in the early nineties or early two thousands who don't get like the social media and marketing love that guys get now, because there's some guys that are going to get forgotten based on just the, the trajectory of the league and where it's gone. Right. The league doesn't do a super great job right now of honoring uh, it's passed in a lot of ways, right? Like we had the hall of fame has been reintroduced, but I don't think the league, and there's not even stuff out there that like we talk about when we're prepping a broadcast every week, Hey, he's going to beat John Grant jr's record. Can we get a John Grant jr. Clip or can we get Caleb Tolt scoring the game winner in um, at Maple Leaf gardens? And like, you can't access that stuff. And I think if the league did a better job of providing clips and stats and stuff of what guys have done in the past, then we could start, shining a light and like retroactively giving these guys some praise. But I think there's some bitter vets right now that maybe wish they were playing in the league today versus in 1993. Yeah, you're right. I mean, they they need to, to get the, the history figured out as far as the stats and all that stuff. Like it doesn't go back past 2005 on point streak. And there's some issues there that, that need to get cleaned up. No question. But I think you're on the right, right track there. And I just, it makes you make a good point, Brad, to look back at what the league looked like in the early nineties, then the early two thousands into 2010. And now where is this league and what are these players 
the creativity of these guys now willing to try things that you would just never see 10, 15 years ago. I, the future is going to be nuts, man. How good these guys are going to be in another decade from now. Yeah, it's scary. And it's tough to compare apples and oranges too. Like, yeah, there's a lot of great players from the past, but how would those players look today? And how would Dane Smith look like in 1993? (laughs) Like you just can't, it's like the whole Gretzky Crosby thing, right? Like you just, it's, it's apples and oranges and you can't really compare it. Ah, it's always fun to talk. Brad huge quarter number one there and lots more to come here on EP 179. We're down to mile high to catch up with Lager McLaughlin. Eli from the Colorado Mammoth is up next in quarter two. Keep it right here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Hey, this is Paul Day. You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified as we move into quarter number two here on EP 179. Jake Elliott, Brad Schellner with you and Rycor Construction sponsoring this quarter of action. They make it stand out at Rycor. Fences, decks, kitchens, bathrooms, any kind of renovation you can imagine over 15 years of experience. Give them a follow on Insta or Facebook, Rycor Construction. They make it stand out as we welcome to Lax Class for the very first time. 2015 All-Rookie Team, 2019 All-Second Team Pro. Drafted fourth overall back in 2014 by the Colorado Mammoth out of Surrey, British Columbia. Eli McLaughlin is now on the podcast. Lager, what's going on? Thanks for doing this. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. You know, just... Enjoying life. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for doing it, man. Happy to have you on board here. I know we were just kind of chit-chatting before we hit the record button, and you got a chance to take in opening day there. It's still called Coors Field in Denver. It's a really cool – for people that haven't been to Denver, that pocket down there with Ball Arena and Coors Field, that whole kind of area around there is super cool in Denver. But is it still Coors Field? How did the Rockies do? Yeah, it's uh, still Coors Field, and I didn't get to get opening day. I think that was Friday, but we got opening weekend, and the Rockies uh, beat the Dodgers. I think they took the took the series two three on the weekend. So, a bunch of you guys down seems, there go. How, like who's all oh, who's yeah. all living down in Denver? The whole squad. We got. I live with Krabi, Wardo, uh, Warren Jeffrey, Dylan Kinnear. Brett McIntyre, Jalen Chaster. Holy. I think that's it. I think we Easy. all. Ryan, Ryan, Ryan oh, Lee yeah, down Ryan there, Lee. too. Leezer's there, too. So, yeah, we all got tickets and all had a blast. Paint, paint us a, a day in the life, man. Like, we know we know that uh, you're obviously all down there and you got to work out in this morning. And you're probably still hurting after the Rockies game yesterday. But, like, on a good day, on a Tuesday, maybe, <laughs> what, what's a day in the life of Eli McLaughlin look like as a pro lacrosse player? We wake up eight or work out at eight a.m. and then I'll come back, have a smoothie, make breakfast. If it's nice out, I'll go sit by the pool, maybe taking a hike or two, or you know, just trying to go to Legal Pete's for dinner. Legal Pete's. How often? But, how how often is the stick in your guys' hand? Honestly, just you know, Friday, Saturday for me. 
Sometimes we go to the, the Foothills practice arena and shoot around, but, you know, we have trouble getting some time there. Well, you've but. had your stick in your hand for a long time in, in your lacrosse career, Eli, and I don't know how far we winded back here, but, you know, some junior experience with both New West and Coquitlam, I think a Minto Cup appearance in there as well for you or two, and then the, the jump to the pros. How big of a step was that for you? Yeah, I got two two shots with a Minto and never managed to win one, but jumping from that to the pros was for me, it was very, I was very nervous. I get in play with like John Grant Jr. and you're like, you know, one of your heroes. So the speed was, took me a bit, but it's always going to be a challenge jumping from boys to men. You're one and, of the, uh, you're one of the rare that I think didn't go to college, didn't go to NCAA and then jumped in as a youngster and like, you know, made a pretty immediate impact. You're a 20 goal scorer by your second season. Do you think, Missing those four years, like most of the rookies have now, took you a, a longer time to adjust. Yeah, maybe I'm. I know because a lot of those guys go to college and they're like the, the big dog on campus. You know, they're you know they get a little uh, pressure, kind of like that. But I don't know. I've never found it like insanely difficult. But you know, it's just lacrosse, right? We all know we all played it. Here with Eli McLaughlin of the Colorado Mammoth. And and you're right, like, when you broke into the league and you were surrounded by some of the legends of the game, and, and Junior in particular, it was a much different role for you on that team than the one you have now. You got a letter on your jersey, and, and you're really one of the leaders up there on offense. And I would, like, how has that transformation been from you going kind of a young, bright-eyed rookie to, to now a guy that, guys are looking up to and leaning on a little bit in that locker room yeah you know i've been trying to take a little bit of a more of a leadership role there you know sometimes i forget i'm 20 turn 29 i'm not 21 year 21 anymore and guys are are looking for like guidance and leadership out of you and you know it's been i honestly I've, it's been awesome i think like it's been a little difficult because you know i've never for about most of my time here i've kind of been quiet and know follow what the other guys are doing but now being the guy that you know has to get the boys going and maybe calm us down on the bench has been a bit of a step and uh exciting though about your offense this year like it's one of the most potent in the national lacrosse league right now so many weapons all part of this this engine of the colorado mammoth everybody's kind of got their role there but bish takes over as the offensive coordinator this season what's what's changed in that o to make it so so effective this season uh, I think it's just none of us are extremely selfish guys. And, you know, we don't care who's scoring. We don't care who's scoring. And, like, Crowdy's stick has been on fire. And if I'm not on, I'll just – I'm like, hey, man, I'm going to get get you the ball. I'll pick for you. You just keep laying the lamp. Same thing happened on the right side, especially with Gibby coming in. He said the same thing. Like, hey, stick's been cold. Leaser, I'm going to get you open. And it's just guys, you know – we switch nights sometimes, like, and we just do the same thing for each other. Well, you seem to have a bit of a flair for the dramatic too, though, Eli. Like, you always seem to to have that kind of that big next goal that spurs on a comeback. I think the overtime winner you had earlier this year as well, and you seem to be a real clutch player. Has has that always been in your DNA, or has that developed over time as well? Yeah, that's the uh, one thing I guess I'd never really like noticed how many, like, I guess, clutch goals I scored until, like, the lax mag was doing their 
Clutch Kings thing. And honestly, I don't, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just something you have or you don't. Well, you, you seem like a real calm, cool customer, laid back, mellow, chill, whatever you want to say when you're sitting here talking to us. But when you get out on the turf, it almost seems like your personality changes and you're, you know, like you said, whipping up the boys, getting the crowd into it, and, and you're pretty hyped out there. Does a switch just kind of go off? Yeah, I think there's definitely a bit of a switch. Uh, you get out there, you see the fans, the music's going. I mean, I don't really notice the music too much, but like, you know, TV timeouts and whatnot, and you just, you know, get that energy from the crowd and from the boys and just use that to fuel your game. This is going to hurt uh, people in Vancouver listening, Eli, but take us to those two games against Vancouver. You guys are down by eight, you're down by seven, especially that one at home in Denver where you start chipping away and it looked like you in particular were like, okay, this, we're going to, we're going to do this again. Um, you know, how much of that first win gave you guys that belief that that was happening for game number two? Oh man, that first one was, I've never seen that like seven goals and was it seven goals? Like four yeah. and a half minutes. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I think it was, it was nuts. And I, you know, I just kind of told the guys on the bench, like, Hey, we have, we're just playing no pressure lacrosse now. Like no matter what we do, win or lose, like let's just put it all on the line here. and whatever happens happens we're already down seven what's the worst that could happen right and then the second one i think you know you come you just use that same kind of mentality from the first game and you're like all right well we just chip away here get one two three and we'll, we're gonna get the ball rolling and we did just that and now eli you, you beat the buffalo bandits you take down the san diego seals you've caught them in the standings and first place in the West, home floor advantage, that's a, that's a big step for you guys and a goal that you must have had at the start of the season that you want to finish off now. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's just one of the, the goals on the, on the road to, you know, the main one. And, uh, you know, I think we're happy, pretty happy with how the season's gone so far. If the playoffs started today... You'd play the <laughs> Brad's favorite game. saying right there. <laughs> I know. If the playoffs started today... You play the Philadelphia Wings, and there's been a bit of a, a, I don't know what I'll call it, a, a weird statistic this year. The East is, like, pretty dominant over over the West, except when the Colorado Mammoth are playing against the Eastern team, where you guys are 3-0. and You're the only team that's beaten an Eastern team all three times this season. Um, you know, I, I guess there's no preference of who you're going to play in the first round, but do you buy, like, what, how, do you see the East as a different sort of beast like do you have to prepare differently for an eastern team are those games like what's going well in those games against teams that you're not familiar with i think uh we have a pretty thorough scout report and you know we watch film during the week yeah i don't know what it is about us and eastern teams but i mean if we that's our record against them, i wouldn't mind playing them i guess and uh i don't know if we have to prepare differently i feel like western our western matchups we uh Get a little, maybe a little more excited for rivalry games coming up here, but would you rather would you rather would you rather play an Eastern team in round one, or would you rather play one of your biggest enemies in Calgary, Vancouver, or San Diego? Uh, you know, I think we gotta go with rivalry games. <laughs> yes. You know, you want to you want to you want to get those guys, and you, they want to beat you. You want to beat them. And, yeah. You know, I think I think maybe right. where Brad was going with that is like you know how it's it's different brand of lacrosse in the, yeah. the WLA than it is in major series. Do you find that yeah. from the Western Conference to the Eastern Conference? Not personally, but I mean, there's definitely a little bit 
difference in intricacies and stuff like that. But honestly, I think it's it's a team to team. Everyone's, thing. everyone's playing so fast now. It's it is. pushing the ball and swinging it like it's it's pretty bonkers, man. Yeah. And, and speaking of that, I I wanted to ask you about. Jason Bishop. He's a, a guy I actually got to play with in, in my senior career and a guy I've known a long time. And But I would say that he's not really a household name in the NLL yet. But talk about Jason Bishop and, and what he's brought to the Mammoth offense and that bench. Yeah, when uh, we uh, promoted Bish there from our West Scout to the O-Coach, you know, we all, we all were familiar with him and, you know, we trusted him to come in, step up and you know, I think he's put in some really good uh, motions or, you know, I guess, princip- offensive principles. And it seems to be working for us. And so kudos to him. And I think he's uh, doing his job really well. Pump up your roommate, man. Um, he's got 40 goals this season and just, yeah. you know, was, was struggling to get into the Saskatchewan lineup over the years and finds a home in Colorado and has been just absolutely lights out. What's going right for, for Connor Robinson? Oh, I don't want to take all the credit for it, but I just kind of stick, so. Oh. <laughs> okay. I thought you were going to say, like, setting him up or setting good picks, but it's stringing his stick. Yeah. No, but, uh, yeah, what can I say? You can't miss right now. And when he's hot, he's the ball that he's sniping the ball. He's absolutely picking corners and doesn't seem like he can do any wrong. It, like, I almost felt like it was just a matter of time. Like, you watched him coming up through junior yeah. two, Eli. The, the kid's yeah. the all-time leading scorer for the junior bellies. It was just a matter of time before oh, yeah. he found his stroke. I mean, yeah, look at his stats in junior. Absolutely insane. There's no reason he could do the same thing here. And I think he's proven everyone in SAS that they made the wrong, the wrong choice there. You guys are heading there this weekend, so he gets a chance to do that in person again, as does your Colorado Mammoth to try to increase their lead on first place in the NLL West Division. Eli, um, what's it going to take to beat Saskatchewan Rush? They got back in the win column. They're hungry with a new coach. Um, going to be a good one Saturday night in Sastel. Yeah, um, I mean, we're familiar with those guys, and they play really well at home. They're a crowd, and I think if we just stick to what we've been doing the last couple – Shutting down transition, I think, is a big one. And, uh, you know, getting to the dirty areas on the offense and getting in tight on Penny, we'll, we'll be doing all right. Take that crowd out of it early. Uh, Eli, appreciate the time here on Lax Class, man. It's uh, always fun to watch you play ball for the Mammoth. And uh, appreciate your time. Thanks for doing it. Well, thank you, guys. Say hi to Rocky for me. Say hi to Rocky for Oh, well. All right, there you go. Yeah. Eli McLaughlin, Colorado Mammoth, Brad. And uh, first timer here on, on Lax Class for Liger McLaughlin. Uh, pretty savvy follow there on Twitter. He's got a real kind of a, I don't know what, what kind of sense of humor. He's, he's got a good sense of humor. Good tweeter. Doesn't tweet often, but drops some haymakers from time to time. And like I said earlier, like has turned himself into a real clutch player. Like timely goals. There's Eli McLaughlin. Yeah, and some guys just have that knack. And, you know, it's tough to put – it was tough for him to put that into words. I remember asking Colin Doyle about this once. Like, what – how do you flip that switch? And for him at the time, and I imagine it's the same for Eli, it's just like a competitive edge. Some guys just have a flip that they can switch to go, you know what, this game is not over. 
I'm not leaving here until I, you know, get another couple <laughs> and, and bring my team to victory or think... three or four or five, like it was in that Vancouver game. But some guys just have that competitive knack to go, you know what? I'm not, we're not losing tonight and put the team on their back. And you can see Eli gets a little chirpy. Sometimes you might have words for some of the defenders or some of the goaltenders after he buries. And, you know, I think that goes a long way to spark that crowd in Denver. And then once you get that momentum on your back, good things start happening. By the way, you totally bailed me out earlier in the interview um, because I was looking at the wrong week. You just said they have a switch. They have a switch that they know. They have a flip that they can switch. (laughs) You can switch a flip and you can flip a switch. Why not? All right, man. Let's uh, let's take a break. It's time for halftime. We got to regroup. We got the head coach of the Saskatchewan Rush coming up next. Jimmy Quinlan will join us in quarter three, episode 179 of Lax Class is back after this. Hey, this is NLL Hall of Famer Patty McCready. You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and box across. Welcome back to Lax Class. Halftime is officially over. We are into quarter number three. And here in quarter number three, we're about to talk to the 1-0 head coach of the Saskatchewan Rush. In one, Jimmy Quinlan, Coach Q, teach, uh, all sorts of handles you go by there in your other profession. But uh, your head coaching debut was a good one, Jimmy. Welcome to Lax Class. How are you? Very good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here, man. Um, by the way, I, I saw Cody Jansen. we got to get this out of the way right off the top here do the rush hour podcast that we just both happened to be on there last week. And I saw in his tweet that he mentioned that you were talking about how you were taking a piece from all your former coaches and guys you learned from and, and all that sort of stuff. I, I'd have to go back and listen, but I, I, I don't think I heard my name when you were talking about all that stuff, which hurt me a little bit. Well, if you listen carefully, it says I took a lot from all the coaches and I didn't have enough time to mention them all. So you were in one of the, I didn't mention them all, but no, Jake, you were good to me. You put up with my crap. You were a handful. Kid, I'm so. not going to, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, man. You were a lot to deal with. That was one of my very first coaching gigs as well. And, uh, you know, we, we clashed a little bit from time to time, but I, I think we both taught each other some things there. Yeah, I, I would, I would definitely agree with that. So I've, uh, always had opinions. I've never really been one to not voice those opinions and, Sometimes it got me into trouble and sometimes it got me ahead. And uh, I think I've matured a lot since that time. So I think we're uh, very similar in that regard, Jimmy. But yeah, no, I, I, I remember you back there. You were good. You were good. <laughs> I appreciate so. that. Well, the hair is cut. The beard is off. You're looking matured behind the bench. New associate head coach, co-head coach for the Saskatchewan Rush, soon to be full-time head coach. But Jimmy... Where did that first win stack up in your sort of career accomplishment list? You've done everything on the floor, behind a bench. Where does that first ever co-coaching win stack up? Well, I'd just like to get out of the way. I'm only clean shaven because I uh, forgot that I took my guard off last week as I was trimming my beard and I lost a patch of it and I couldn't salvage <laughs> oh, no. it. I'll, I'll get, Are you going I'll back? Get little... oh, that was all that hard work. That was like two well, years was... in the making probably also the fact that i was making my daughter's uh bacon for breakfast on friday before leaving trying to you know put in some good good work and uh the timer went off so i was doing too many things so um shaving and and cooking bacon does not seem like two things you want to do at the same time by the way no no i learned that the that this past week so anyways the beard will be back but uh 
in terms of the head coaching win, I, it was, it, I don't know. I, I was nervous before the game. Um, I mean, I've been fortunate that Derek's kind of brought me under his wing all those years ago. And, and he kind of just really handed it over to me, handed the keys over to me this weekend and then entrusted in me. And, and I think, I think the thing that stuck out to me most um, was just how happy I was for those guys. Cause I know it's been a long season for them. I know they're not um, used to being in the position we're in and, um, they, they, they took what we were asking them to do and they, uh, they just stuck to the, to the plan. And so, um, I think good things happen when you do that, when everyone pulls on the same rope. And I think that's sometimes a coach's job is to be, to be a salesman and to get buy-in and, um, we had it. So in terms of where it, uh, ranks, it, it was pretty, it was pretty special for me, uh, just to see their, you know, the reactions on their face and to get a, a much needed win, uh, and it, it almost felt like we were kind of back to being who we thought we were and, and who we wanted to be. I think you're always going to be yourself, Jimmy, but you know, going from, you've kind of seen it all now. You, you've been the defensive coach, you've been the offensive coach, and now you're the head coach out of the span of that, like both those experiences, what have you taken from both of those that you can implement into your head coaching? Players want adjustments. Players want to be coached. I think that's the the biggest thing I've learned from it. Um, you know, there's a number of times, you know, working both doors where the players will look up to you and they're expecting you to have something. Um, you don't always necessarily have to have the right thing, but you have to have something. You have to believe in it. You have to be confident in it. And I think that to me is the one piece is that even though, you know, they've been around the game a long time and, and they've got a lot of experience and they're they're phenomenal players, they want to be coached. Uh, and they want to be pushed. And so um, our expectations for them have to be very clear. And then uh, I, I think the the biggest piece for me is patting them on the back when they've done well and then offering them feedback when there's room to improve. And so uh, that's what we tried to do on, on uh, Saturday night there. And uh, there was a lot of times where the guys were turning to, to both Jer and, and Derek and myself and saying like, where, where are we going here? What are we doing? And so to be organized and to be planned and be prepared, uh, it goes a long way. I think Josh Courier for Rush Nation had probably a, a pretty good breakout game that everybody was excited to see. How are you getting the most out of out of Josh Courier on Saturday night? Well, I think, again, it, uh, my message and, and our message to the group was just to be yourselves. And, and Josh has got very good feet. He shoots the ball well. Sometimes it takes a little uh, a little while for it to come out of his stick. And so the, really the message to Josh, and it's been that all year, um, was to be assertive and to be decisive and to, and to trust his uh, – his instincts. And I think he did that. He moved his feet extremely well. He got to the dirty areas. And then when it was time to pull the trigger, he just let it rip. And so um, I was happy to see the smile on his face because he's been nothing but a true pro. He's stuck with it. He's taken feedback. He's been the first to admit that he could be better. And so to see him have that success, uh, I was happy for him. Here with the head coach of the rush, Jimmy Quinlan, and still some season to go here, Jimmy, but you guys are officially out of the playoff race, which is still a bit mind-boggling to, to me, and I'm sure you, but lots of work to be done here. And... Jake, I'm going to be honest right now and cut you off. I didn't even know that. Okay, my bad. And you know what? Sorry. And I'm going to cut you off too, Jumbo, because we don't have the, like, until I get the league email that says that that is in fact the case, I think people on Twitter can speculate all they want, but 
the league hasn't put the hammer down on that yet either. So okay. I think yeah, it's, it uh, might, it might, a lot has to go right, but there's a lot that's still possible. All right. Nice. I'm just going to back away into a, like a hedge like Homer Simpson right now. My point <laughs> and, and, and question being. I, I love I, that gift, by the way. Yeah, that it's, it's widely, well. widely used. Um, is you're going to need an offensive coach come next season. I know Derek's there right now, but is that going to be your pick? your guys's pick and if so do you have a couple of guys in mind that you'd like to see maybe have a conversation with about potentially taking the job yeah it's going to be collaboration i think that's kind of the best way to approach it so um it's got to be the right fit uh, we've, we've thrown a few names around um nothing again we don't know if any if even these the, the names we're mentioning are interested i can tell you that some of the names well most of the names are western guys um but really, uh, at the end of the day, it, it's going to be the three of us kind of figuring that out and then making sure that it's the, the right fit and the, the person that we're interested in wants to be there. So the other, the other kind of snippet I would say is that we, in, in my discussions with Jeremy and with uh, Derek, that we want to kind of move younger and fresher and newer and uh, give what we think are some of the brighter minds in the game um, that maybe haven't been in the NLL yet uh, a shot. Yeah. So. Yeah, so we'll leave you at that. You can throw some names out there, and uh, I can play. Well, there, we can play hot and cold if you want. There's a lot to play with, speculation wise. Young and Western, and not in the league yet. I think we got enough. We got three months more of content we can work with here. We, you just yeah, put us through the summer, Jimmy. I appreciate that. One guy just popped right to the top of my list when you said young, Western, not in the NLL. It was Pete Tellis. Well, you're. I'm going to say you're a smart guy, Jake. That's where I'll leave it there. Okay. So. Thank you. Um, You're welcome. Yeah, speaking with Jimmy Quinlan and uh, some some work to be done to the roster too, Jimmy. I mean, it, yeah, you had higher expectations coming into the season, but your record is what it is, and that's not good enough in Saskatchewan. So I would expect some changes. You got some pretty serious UFAs on on the docket as well. Where would you like to see this roster go? Would you like to see it get a little bit younger? Do you want some more firepower up front or, you know, maybe some veterans on the back end to replace some guys you might lose? Where, what are you thinking uh, as the roster as a whole? First thing that comes to mind is I want people that want to be there. Um, I want people that are committed. We want people that are committed. Um, and again, we like the group we have. We, we feel they underachieved. So um, we'll kind of just go through the season as it comes and take it kind of one step at a time. There's an expansion draft. We've got to get through. We've got to protect some players. Um, but I mean, you said it, we've got to definitely get better. So um, we've got three games here uh, left on the season where we're looking at Colorado. Obviously we're, we're evaluating what we have. Um, we'll give some guys some opportunities uh, and, and then we'll just simply go from there. So um, I, I think, you know, we'd be foolish not to, have those long and hard conversations about whether or not we need to get younger um, or whether we feel like we, if we can get everyone back, we have a, a have the team to actually make a push again. And so um, obviously we we're aware of, you know, the Chris Corbeals and the Kyle Rubishes and the Ryan Dilks and where their contracts are at. Um, and then we also realized that at times we didn't score enough goals. And so we've got a lot of places to look. Uh, but again, for me, it, it's people that want to be there and, um, I think that the, the success of the rush organization has always been built on quality people first and, and, and very good lacrosse players second. And so that's kind of what we'll continue to do. Mike Messenger was doing absolutely everything for this team all season long. And then a lot more on, uh, on Saturday night there, two goals out of the offensive gate. 
pretty much full time that game outside of his face off duties. Um, is that an option you guys can keep looking at down down the stretch here? Gotta be Jimmy. Yeah, it's gotta be. It, it is. It is. That's why he's there, and that's why he spent some time up there. Um, he wants to lo- be up there too, doesn't he? I think he does. I, I, I think, think does. you know the one thing I know about Mess. Mess wants to impact the game. He wants to be an impactful player. Um, so. Uh, he's awesome. He, he's absolutely awesome. I, I had some very good conversations with him heading into the weekend in terms of the faceoffs and not trying to do too much. Um, I, I, I think earlier in the season, he was taking every single faceoff when he didn't have to. So he gave Bobby Kidd a little bit more run. Who's a, who's a fantastic athlete. And, um, you know, yeah, mess is mess is mess. I mean, he, he wants to know the offense. He wants to know how to play. He, uh, sometimes slows down if he doesn't understand the play and instead of just trusting his instincts and he was full value on, on Saturday night when we needed him to be. And so um, to see him smile after that second goal, the absolute dart uh, from the outside, um, you know, that meant a lot to us. You don't get a smile out of mess very often either. It's usually just like <laughs> death stare right through <laughs> your soul. A uh, few more minutes here with head coach, Jimmy Quinlan, you're, Jersey was retired by the organization and used to hang in old Northlands Coliseum up there beside the likes of Wayne Gretzky and Paul Coffey and Yari Curry. That had to be a, a pretty cool sight to see. Uh, but now it hangs in Sastel Center. So I want to ask you this. Who do you think the next Jersey will be hanging beside yours? Oh, whew. that is a very good question. Um, there's a lot of them. I, I, I immediately that popped to mind was the guy we played the other night. Cause he's played so many, he played so many games for us and it was Brett Midsky. Yeah. I, 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 that's a very good question. Oh, that's two, of, Brad. I'm taking it. <laughs> no, you can, no, you don't get two. For oh, nine. I, I don't One know. good question. Well, we're enough. going to crew chief Todd LeBronch for a, for a ruling. Okay. On we'll go for the booking. Yeah. Inconclusive is what you'll probably get out of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, again, I think, I, I mean, I think maybe some tenureship. I obviously Mark Matthews, if he sticks around, um, he's got a contract right now. He's kind of the easy one. Um, I think Brett Mitsky did a lot for a guy who was drafted where he was drafted with our team and his name comes to mind. Um, there's a lot of them. I think they all have better stats and probably were better players than I was. So I can use some company up there to, uh, deter from everyone making that mention of that. Cause, uh, if you ask me, <laughs> you I don't was, like uh, being the only one. Well, and I don't, to, to be honest, I don't know if I should be up there. So oh, that, that's kind of, that's kind of, uh, no, but again, if, if you get up there for, for showing up and working hard all the time, then yeah, then I deserve to be there. But in terms of, if you look at the body of work and the statistics, and that's usually like a lot of times what that is. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm humbled by it. Um, I don't ever really make too much mention of it. And it actually kind of makes me sweat when people bring it up. So um, <laughs> I'll leave it at that. I want to ask about the uh, the sneak play thirty seconds oh. into the game on <laughs> on Saturday night that backfired. There was that was that new coach rolling the dice and, and that's me. Like immediate impact. Or See how you? we did that, Jimmy. We butter you up with the, talking oh, about hey. your jersey and the rafters, and then just come with the hammer and, and an empty net like goal on your first bring, coaching move. Bring more hammer and then and then talk more about the game. I love talking about the game. I think that I can talk about the game all day. And that was me. That was me. That was one of the first things that uh, Derek and I talked about. I said, I, I want to run a sneak. I, our team here, like I, I believe in that group. And I think that's one of those things, whether it works or not, it's telling your guys that, Hey, we believe in you. And we, we, 
And again, it was funny because Derek and I had the conversation and I said, oh, you know, I said it wouldn't be surprising the way it's gone for us this year if it ends up in our net. And he goes, well, the only way it ends up in your net is if you don't execute it. And I said, oh, I think we'll execute it. And so sure enough, we executed and it just took a bad, uh, bad hop. Mark Matthews boxed out the wrong guy and away they went. And so um, my immediate reaction on the bench that night was let's run it again. Um, and uh, the guys told me to think a little bit better on that one. So we didn't, but again, um, I, I honestly, you're not like, going to shy you... away from doing it again though. Right. Like if you feel like the time is right, you'll pull that move again. Yeah, by all means. Um, again, it's something that people have to game plan for and be aware of. And again, like I, I think we got the look we wanted. Uh, it was unlucky. It didn't go in. I mean, and really the reality is, is we, we kind of knew that going in and the message was like, what's next? Like go forward. And I, I, I actually liked it in the game because it was a, it was adversity early. And I, I think that's what you find out about your team is when you have to face some adversity. And so we had to kind of overcome that little hiccup early and the, the players responded uh, wonderfully and we got the next one and we got back on track and uh, we kind of punched every time we got punched. Yeah, last, uh, that was the key, hey, Jim, like every time that the Warriors got within one, you got the next one. And every time they got back with it, you got the next one. And, and that you mean every, you, I think you mean every time ball or killing got one. You, you got the, <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> the other right thing I was going to ask, there's not, yeah. And then other, I don't know if this was a, a Quinlanism either, but you know, something we don't see every night was just the complete lock off of killing behind the net there in the fourth yeah. quarter. That was um, the, adjust, that was the adjustment we made. We actually had to take out of it. And Jared and I had, Jared and I had a good discussion about, we needed to have more bullets in the chamber, so to speak in case things weren't working. And so um, kind of in the second quarter, we, we made a little bit of an adjustment in the third quarter after we got to half and said, this is how we're going to kind of defend that two man game. And that was giving us so much problems and, and it still didn't work. And so then we went to with five minutes left in the, in the third quarter, we went to, we're just going to completely lock off. And we actually went away a little bit from some of our principles and we just told our players to play. I mean, they played the game long enough. And so, um, you know, it was enough to kind of keep them at bay to, to well, get they, us out of there. They with the just wind. started loading up from the restraining line, Jimmy. So I don't know how far, you know, you got to, yeah, well, he, he can, he can shoot it and he looks to shoot it. And, uh, he's a, he's a, he's a wonderful player. And then the Keegan ball, um, I, I said to Keegan after the game that I was, I'm very impressed by how he's rounded himself into the player he's rounded into because he was one of those guys who didn't always get a look early in his career and he just stuck with it. And I've got a lot of respect uh, for those types of players. Yeah. Unbelievable. How far he has come. He's like, he's putting himself in superstar conversation now. What is he, Brad? Fifth in league scoring now for Keegan ball. It's no, and and street I've, free yeah, agent. I've talked, and I've talked to a lot of head coaches this season that they're, they're preparing for him. Like they got their best, well, they, best yeah, if they're not, they shouldn't be coaching. Best defenders going to be on. Like he is, he, he's getting that elite status when you're talking about some of the best righties in the game he's in that category now yeah. did you guys have history jimmy in, in northern alberta i know he was playing for the miners i don't know if you were no I, I, was kind of out, I, was, I was out of the game more just a fan of him and so again i got to watch him uh kind of start to develop from afar and uh i remember when he was first in the nll i thought he did some things well but had a lot of areas in his game he could improve and credit to him he's worked on him and he's he's like he's a handful he he's kind of the straw that stirs the drink right now for that team. And he was, uh, he was a lot, he was a lot on Saturday. What's the plan for the summer before we let you go? Are you getting involved with uh, the box in the summer? Yeah, I, I might Jordan Cornfield with the miners asked me if I kind of want to kind of stand behind that bench. Prezi, so, right. Are they, are they hosting? They are hosting. Yeah. Okay. I'm booking yeah, my so calendar, I, man. Do it. 
Yeah, well, and again, that's always something that it's a. I've learned here real quickly that it's a family decision. So um, uh, we'll see. I, I'm obviously excited at the opportunity. I'm flattered at the opportunity. Um, other than that, I'll probably just watch some uh, some of the local stuff around here because I like being around the game and I love being around the game. And then uh, I'll obviously start uh, watching the live stream feeds from the east and the west uh, right. to try to get some some input on some of the players that will be in the upcoming draft. Last one for me here, Jimmy, and, th- and thanks for doing this, man. But you're, you're a full-time teacher. You're a full-time dad of three, I believe. And now you're going to be a head coach of the National Lacrosse League. What is, how are you going to structure your days and your evenings to get the film in and the studying in and the, and the communication in with your teammates um, just from a scheduling standpoint going forward? How tough is that going to be? Not tough at all. I, uh, I got a wonderful wife who uh, told me that if I wanted to be the head coach, I had to reduce my uh, – FTE as a teacher, so I won't be teaching in the mornings. I'll just be doing primarily uh, one class of math and then some lacrosse, and so I'll have my mornings free every day, and that's where I plan to do all the lacrosse work so that I can actually still contribute ar- around the around the house. So um, keep that, that the question wife there, happy, Jimmy. One. Just keep the wife happy, and everything else will fall into place. Well, I think the one thing, and you're right, you're right, but I think the one thing that I, I've kind of learned along the way here, and and um, it's something that I really want to focus on as a coach and as a dad and as a teacher is that it's, it's the person first. So I don't necessarily think I teach a, a subject. I teach a person. I don't think I coach a sport. I coach a person. And so the, the better I can build those relationships with the people that I work with and I, and I'm fortunate to work with, I think then you can start to really build a relationship where they'll, they'll go a little bit further for you and, and vice versa. So like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I think I'm not the same person that would have given you headaches 18 years ago. Sure doesn't sound like it, Jimmy. And, uh, you know, after this, we've talked a lot, but just kind of after this conversation here, it's it's no surprise to me why Derek has, has named you the head coach. It looks good on you. Congratulations. And uh, I'm sure we'll be talking sooner than later. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. Thanks, Brad. All the best to you guys. You guys do a wonderful job. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jimmy. Appreciate that. We'll see you soon. See ya. There you go. Jimmy Quinlan. And and like I said, Brad, first time I met Jimmy, he was a junior lacrosse player, fresh out of Sherwood Park there, just a little baby face, skinny little thing there. And uh man, he he had like he was coming from Alberta and probably the best player where he was, you know, growing up. And we, like, I was a new coach, and there was a lot of friction there between Jimmy and I. But like you said, I think, like, how much maturity he has had, and I think it started as a player, moving into a coaching role. I think the teaching and the family stuff kind of really dialed him in on what was important in life. And, man, I think he's going to be a great head coach after that conversation, just listening to him. Yeah, I'm I'm fired up. I'd I'd want to play there. You know, you talk about guys. He talks about guys wanting to be there, and I think now that there's sort of a, a new fresh vision and a new fresh voice and a great communicator behind the bench, I think you know you're going to see people want to be in Rushland. And why wouldn't you? Like the fans the other night, they were a four and ten team, and on Saturday night, I'm telling you, man, there's ten thousand people there standing up, screaming for every goal, and they they have they had the atmosphere in there of a ten and five team, not of yeah. not a five oh, and I ten know team. It. it was. I know it. It was unreal. Like Rush Nation really comes to support. So I think now that they can see 
a plan for the future, I think bodes really well. And just some further listening as I, uh, Quinlan and, and, and Derek Keenan and a lot of people around the Rush organization did a lot of different podcasts this week. So check out Rush Hour. There's some great chats on there, some great articles, and just about why Derek chose Jimmy and just some further sort of information from both those two minds because I think there's, uh, you know, from outside people looking in, they can learn a lot by listening to some of those conversations. Those guys are both super open and honest and both different. Like everybody was kind of thinking that, that Jimmy was maybe a mini, a mini Keenan, but he's not at all. Like they're completely different people. I think that's what Derek likes about this situation. So it's going to be fun to watch him develop. And, and potentially breaking a little news here on the podcast about their future O coach as well. And look, I'm telling you, I don't know like if it's happy or not, but if they get Pete Tellis on that bench, Watch out for Saskatchewan. It won't be too long before they're near the top of the standings once again. Great conversation there with JQ. We got one more quarter to come. Another tough week and who you got. Man, oh man. We'll talk about it all. Evan Schemenauer is back as well. Fourth quarter action. EP 179. Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging. A fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is Mitch Belisle. You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. And now it's time for another round of Who You Got? Welcome back to lacrosse classified we're into the fourth quarter which means no more breaks here but i gotta tell you about associated labels and packaging of course before we get into things associatedlp.com that's where you find them and all sorts of labels and packages down there anything your company could desire or imagine Associated Labels and Packaging will be able to service your needs. Over 40 years of experience down there in Coquitlam, ethics, quality, and of course, family-owned, AssociatedLP.com labels, packages. They are your people. And of course, uh, before we do it, I got to say this. I got to get this in there. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, five-star reviews, and give us a follow on social media as well. At Lax Class, at Brad Chow, at Shem Lax, at PXP for Sports. We're everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, email, Skype. I don't know. Uh, get at us if you want to get in contact with the show or any of us. We're always available 24-7. DMs are open, as the kids would say. This man is not a kid, but he's back on the podcast at 7 Sheminar. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. Had a Friday little Montel in, in the rotation there over the weekend on uh, old move one oh something point something. Yeah, we'll move. Yeah, move radios across the country. We slipped Montel into our weekend blowout show on on Saturday night. You know, it's a radio staple, but I got a little chuckle when I slipped it in the playlist this weekend for uh, for our boy Evan here. <laughs> What's Ooh, going on, Evan? About uh, to hang out in the flesh this weekend, man. It doesn't uh, that doesn't happen very often. But Evan and I hooked up for lunch and. In Sass, we went to a restaurant that that I picked that he'd never even heard of in town before. So apparently, Mexican. I'm more in tune. I'm more in tune with the tune than 
than Mr. Schemenauer here. In the flesh. Uh, speaking of in the flesh, it was good to see Evan in the flesh wearing his beautiful Vancouver Warriors Reed Bowering jersey in the uh, concourse and stands there at Sastel Center looking sharp. Vasily was a little embarrassed to look like, though, Evan, but you <laughs> yeah. look good. But, you know, like, like this is not just your knockoff thing you can get off the shelf. Like, this is the real deal, right? Oh, game one. It's a game-worn jersey. And, you know, as much as I got some funny looks and some snarly comments from one person, the thing about it was I appreciate the generosity of the Warriors. Not many teams do that. And, you know, thank you. And that, that was my thank you to them. I'll gladly wear that to the game. There you go. Uh, so Dan Richardson and responsible for that. So you can uh, shoot Dan a message personally there if you like, Evan. And mm-hmm. speaking of, Brad, you got hooked up from Rush Nation. Our boy uh, David just dropped a Connor Ro- signed Connor Robinson jersey in your lap. Yeah, I so never Evan, got anything Evan, like that. Evan walked in to Saskatel Center with a new signed Reed Bowering. I l- walked out of Saskatel Center with a signed Connor Robinson. And I was just taking it at the end of this segment with, with Jimmy Quinlan there. But Rush Nation is is pretty special, man. And and David's been a longtime listener of the podcast. And I don't even think he lives anywhere near the rink, but but has tickets right by the tunnel where the rush enter the floor at Saskatel Center. And he emailed me before the game and said, Hey, I got something for you. So I met him up in the stands and signed Connor Robinson, game worn. One of the great um one of the rush thirds from last season or two seasons ago now, I guess. That was um like plaid on the lower third. Oh, yeah. And the Halifax or the Saskatchewan flag on one shoulder and, you know, the little wheat logo on the other one, like one of the, one of their nicer thirds, I think. So I appreciate him listening and rush nation is just so special. I was saying, I, mean, I don't know if you felt it in the building, but the way that the crowd was reacting to me felt like a 10 and five team and not a five and 10 team. And maybe there's a sense of, maybe there's a sense of promise now that Jimmy Quinlan's taken over that maybe a new chapter is turning and let's just forget about the first three quarters of this. Well, hang on, Evan, let's just clear this up because early in the podcast, when we had Jimmy on, I said the rush were officially out of the playoffs. You guys backed me right up on that. And it is true what you guys said, but it is the most minuscule of a chance here for the rush. So I'm going to let Evan break down this banana land scenario for the rush to make the playoffs so we can get this officially official so here's what it is they need both albany and calgary out of a tie break at eight and ten they need georgia in it and it helps them if vancouver or panther city is in it because they got a winning record against both to help boost their record so the effect of it is the rush have to lose or sorry win three games the Swarm have to lose three. Albany's got to lose two. And then a combination of Vancouver winning twice and Calgary winning against Rochester or Panther City winning its next two games and Calgary winning one or this whacked out scenario where it'd be only them and Georgia in a tiebreak scenario and the rush somehow having a stronger win percentage. <laughs> Than everybody else, it, it it is less than one percent. There you go. Let's put it that way. Okay, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad we cleared that up. Like uh, I forgot all of that already. So good luck. Uh, let's just see how the last couple of weeks play out, and let's see how this week's who you got plays out. It's time once again to play your 
favorite podcast game. Who you got? There you go. Who you got? Brought to you by Stampede Tech and Western Wear. They've been on board since day one. And you should be on board with Stampede Tech because they have a wide variety of different clothing items. Everything from boots to hats to shirts to jeans to belts. You name it. Head on in there, out there in Cloverdale, and see for yourself. They're at the corner of Highway 10 and 180th. Or just hop online, stampede.ca, and shop local. No matter where you may be surfing the World Wide Web, we thank Stampede Tack and Western Wear, who sponsor who you got. And this week's winner, Evan, is one Matt Taylor, who did himself pretty well in a really tough week of picking games. He, he went six for eight, he, and he only had 25 points because. Like most of us, we had a Buffalo. ton of points on the Bandits. Buffalo. And so he lost his eight game, and he lost, what, his three game, I think, on the Seals. So that was it. And there was only two people that even went six and eight this week. It was Crazy. that bonkers. Yeah. I, I said off the top, I think four and four got you into the top ten. I was three and That's five. That's what I got in, yeah. Top ten at four and four. Not good. Not good whatsoever. Uh, we'll try and bounce back here for, what are we, week 20? Week 20. Week 20. Unbelievable. Uh, Renee Rootlinger is still atop the table our boy Johnny Harnett there lost a little bit of ground, but still hanging tough in second place. Three more week, two more weeks to go here in the regular season. It's coming down to it. It's going to be a photo finish. So can I can I add without as we're getting the um, playoff scenarios sent out by the league each week of naming who has a chance of clinching and who's getting eliminated? If you go to the overall rankings on officepooljunkie.com right now and look at the who you got standings there's now x's beside people who are mathematically out <laughs> of winning the who you got pool i love it and we are we all still have check marks okay folks. that's good to know i dropped a few spots i'm still ahead of you challenger no uh, actually like you're tied we're, oh, we're, oh, we're, we're tied we're, we're tied <laughs> we can still catch evan challenger let's team up here Oh, you're you're a ways behind. Never now. mind. You came from we're behind not as well. Mathematically eliminated the ad. We're the Saskatchewan right. and the Vancouver You could go over this week, for all I know. Let's. Uh, you're hosting <laughs> Evan, so get after it here. Let's go. All right. So, only one game Friday night. It's a late one. If you're out east, Panther City six and nine. Desperately need a win to make the playoffs. Playing nine and six, San Diego, who's been struggling a bit lately. Jake Elliott, who you got? Yeah, I think the struggle ends here. And listen, I, that five-game win streak was crazy from Panther City. And maybe the the bubble burst a little bit here against a real desperate Calgary team. I don't know if they were as good as that five-game win streak. They're certainly not as bad as they were against the Calgary Roughnecks. But San Diego at home, they've been a good team all year long here. And they need a win, like you said. Give me the Seals, and i got to find my picks here. I'll tell you what my confidence number is momentarily. Uh, for much of those same reasons, I'm taking the San Diego Seals. They've dropped four in a row, and they're sort of a desperate need right now. Like, if this weekend goes haywire for them and goes well for the Calgary Roughnecks, 
they're going to have the same record at the end of this. Very possible have the same record at the end of this weekend. So this is a playoff game for San Diego. They want to lock up home floor advantage. I think they get right against Panther City. Give me a seven. I don't maybe have the confidence in Pan- in San Diego the way that you guys do. Looking around, that team is banged up. The number of knee braces and you know tension bandages on those knees is something else on the seals. And as I suspected, Frankie Chiliano is not playing the way he did. It's maybe t- starting to tire out. But Panther City, that bye week killed them. And I don't know if they can get it back. San Diego for a four. All right, there's a whole slew of games to get out your laptop, your television, your cell phone, your iPad, because there are four games starting at practically the same time. We'll start in Albany, the 8-8 eight and eight Wings, the 7-9 and nine Firewolves. Both these teams need this win to try and get either the four spot in the East or the crossover. Brad Chandler, who you got? <laughs> this might be, it's not my two game, but it's maybe the toughest pick of the week. For me, this is, I'm going to say this a lot. This is a playoff game for both these teams. Philadelphia trying to get in there, whether it's a crossover, whether it's fourth, same thing for Albany. And Albany needs to win out to keep their dreams alive right now. But Philly is just heating up right now at the right time. And if they get a good night from Higgy and their offense is putting up double digits the last few games like it has been, I see Philadelphia coming out with this one. It's my four game. Jake Elliott, who you got? I think Dougie outperforms Higgy in this one, and that is my deciding factor. Adding into the fact they're at MVP Arena, this is it here for the Firewolves. Take in Albany for a three. Yeah, I got Albany for a three for very much the same reason. It's not a comfortable trip for most guys. Two teams that are the toughest to pick because they're just that consistency isn't there, but not a high confidence Albany for a three. Also, 7 o'clock, big matchup. Halifax Thunderbirds on a massive 1-5 slide here. Going to the hammer, 11-5 Toronto Rock. Jake Elliott, who you got? Is that how you did, Brett? (laughs) Uh, This is TSN game of the week, and rightly so. And I don't know where to come out on this. Like, I feel like I've picked Toronto wrong more than any other team so far this year. That may or may not be true man coin flip yeah i think no i'm gonna take i'm saving the coin i'm taking toronto and you know what i'm putting a five beside the rock here because i think they got it going at the right time and halifax has not looked right since sean evans was traded for brad Chandler, who you got I'm not as waffly on Jumbo as this one. I think this is a solid and easy Toronto Rock 5 for me. It's just, there's, like you said, this team's trending in the right direction. Halifax, if they hadn't racked up those eight wins early in the season, I don't know where they would be sitting right now. It, it wouldn't be good, but they're in trouble. This is a potential preview of a first-round matchup and a potential home floor advantage on the line in this game, and I think we see that playoff game happen at first Ontario Centre. Give me the Rock. They are rolling. Yeah, I've got Toronto for a six. It's a pretty easy pick. Halifax, one and five since the Sean Evans trade, and the one win came when he was a healthy scratch. That is scary. doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense, but there it is. And to play Clark Peterson out the back door, I, I, I don't get it. I mean, maybe they're trying to shake things up, but 
Toronto 4-6. Uh, 7 o'clock start once again. 13-3 Buffalo Bandits who are coming off a pretty lackluster performance. Going down to Duluth, playing the 8-7 and the seven Swarm. They need a win for the getting the playoffs. Brad Chandler, who you got? I'm going to stop short of calling it an embarrassing loss to the New York Riptide because the Rip looked good and Buffalo looked like they were going to mount the comeback until the penalty trouble in the fourth there. But I think they probably feel embarrassed and they need to bounce back and get on a heater as they head towards the postseason. Two more games to get right for the Bandits. I think the Bandits take this one. It's my sixth game. Jake Elliott, who you got? Vino doesn't have two shitty games in a row. That's the bottom line here. Buffalo is going to get right heading towards the playoffs and a team they very may well see come playoff time. Give me the Bandits, but I'm only putting a two beside them. Yeah, very same reasons. It's a bounce back game for Buffalo, I think. Bandits for a five. 7.30, so you got a bit of a half hour to get your iPad ready. 3-12 and 12 Rochester Nighthawks were on one massive slide going to Long Island. 5-10 and 10 Riptide. Jake Elliott, who you got? Yeah, this is the Riptide. They just beat the Bandits. Now they're at home. They're taking on the Nighthawks, who have really struggled down the stretch here. Riptide for a six. Brad Chalner, who you got? We didn't talk about this in segment one, Jumbo, but Hartley was supposed to start that game mm. and took one off the melon in warm-up again after coming back from protocol. Oh, so wow. I think he's okay. I just heard they kept him out of precautionary yeah, reasons. Maybe like, just shut him take down. One off the melon, just, just shut him don't down. Don't come back. Yeah. So that's why he didn't start last week. But it's been it's been a tough year for the Rochester Nighthawks. They've dropped seven in a row, and I don't see the Riptide losing this one. This is actually my eighth game. Unfortunately for the Nighthawks, it's been it's been a tough go. I'm on the opposite end of the scale here because Rochester actually started to. Are you itself. taking the Nighthawks here, Evan? I'm not taking okay, the Nighthawks. Okay, then don't I skirt around it here. Like, deuce. like that's it. Like, I, I'm not that confident in it. You know, is Showtime going to be back? God knows. Uh, so I, I just don't have the faith in the Riptide as much as you guys do. So 9:30. So hopefully by that time. Most of the early evening games are done at the Sastel Center. Colorado Mammoth ten and six need a win to stay in first place. Saskatchewan Rush five and ten need a win to keep that somehow slim chance alive. Jake Elliott, who you got? Oh man, this might be my coin game here, but it's no, it's not. I'm not using. I'm not bailing out on the coin here. I'm taking Colorado just because, like, I think it's over for Saskatchewan and. They may not feel like that, but I do. And I think first place is super important to Colorado. So they win this game on the road in Saskatchewan. They always play the rush tough, especially in Toontown. Mammoth first seven. Brad Teller, Ooh, you got I was going to flip the coin on this one, too. But if Jumbo is bailing out on the coin, I'm going to man up and bail out on the Atta coin, boy, too. Saskatchewan rush are one and one against the Mammoth. The home team has won every game. I see this trend continuing. I know first place would be important for Colorado, but a home game I think would be just fine for them in one or two. And there's just speaking to Jimmy Quinlan today and, and seeing the rush last week might be too little too late, but I do think they turned some heads in the last couple of weeks here, whether it's playing spoiler or what, but give me the rush, the three. Wow. Yeah. I'm very much on Jake's train here. Colorado needs this win. Saskatchewan. Things that happened earlier in the night could even throw this wrench in there. 
Give me the mammoth for a seven. What's happening earlier in the night? Well, things like oh, like there are Georgia winning yeah, yeah, or okay, I saw Albany it. winning. I thought something whatnot. was happening in Saskatoon before the game, where it was like, was there like a funeral or something? There's like, like a or Tonya no, no. Harding incident about no. to happen or something. That was sounded sinister. Yeah. And the sixth game of the night, I believe. Yes, yeah, sixth game of the night. Eight and seven Roughnecks. They can start to clinch a playoff spot here. If they get a win, going to Vancouver, Ooh, baby. six and ten, they need a win and some help to get in. Brad Challoner, who you got? Who who you got, Brad Challoner? I want to hear this. So the Calgary Roughnecks just won four games in a row for the first time since 2014. I don't know how far we're going to have to go back to find five-game winning streak from the Calgary Roughnecks. That is a, a tall task to do at this stage in the season. And... I think Vancouver is going to have a deep look in the mirror after last weekend. And I think the lefties are going to have to make some adjustments and, and wake up in this one. But I see the Warriors squeaking it out on their second last game of the season and their second last game on home floor. Give me the Vancouver Warriors with a deuce. That's my boy right there. Jake Elliott, who you got? You know who I got, Evan. This is it for the Vancouver Warriors. Staring them right in their face. Their arch rival. Keep their playoff hopes alive. It's the Warriors, and it's a four. Well, you go, you guys know who I've got, but the thing about it is here, Vancouver has really struggled lately. You know, the, the fact of the matter is they got all but one goal last game from two guys. And I think Calgary finds a way to just neutralize those two guys. Give me the Calgary Roughnecks for an eight. <laughs> Oh, oh. I love it. Oh, Dan will love to hear that. Oh, yes. The Warriors will love to hear uh, that. Slap that up in the locker room right there. As I'm just going to clip that. As you watch the game in your Bowering jersey from your comfy home there in Saskatoon. <laughs> well, I'll be, at the, I'll be at the other game, so I won't be. Yeah, well, so we're see. calling that one, and it's a doozy. It's a biggie. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right, there you go for who you got. Ooh, congrats to uh, Matt Taylor. And still a couple of weeks left to win a weekly prize. Best of luck to everybody down the stretch here. Time for Lax Less Locks. It's locked. When you're right 52% of the time, you're wrong 48% of the time. I hear by the club. No winner last week uh, for our parlays. Uh, thanks a lot, Evan, by the way, for trying to convince me that Vancouver-Saskatchewan game was going to be an under. Screwed everything up, including Bradley's parlay as well. So we're going combo style here for the people, courtesy of Cool Bet. And if you're new to the podcast or new to Cool Bet, first-time depositors get free money from the folks at Cool Bet. Up in the top left corner, sign up, and then before you deposit, put in the bonus code LAXCLASS. They will match you up to $200. Put in 20 get 20 Put in 100 get 100 Put in 200 you get $200 free dollars. Bonus code LAXCLASS. Stay cool, bet responsibly. Boosted parlay combo style. What are we doing here, fellas? Well, let's go through our individual parlays with 
you know, there was a few things goals going on too with Coolbet that uh, I'm just going to go. I should have. Oh, some free tickets to the Rush, right? Or not the Rush? Or the Rock to the, to the Rock. Yeah. So there is a promo there. Go to Coolbet's social media. You can get a chance to win some tickets to the Toronto Rock by placing some money on some lacrosse this week. Yeah. Show them your ticket and get entered into a draw and, and we did we confirm, also confirmed yes pol action will be up on yep. cool bet as well yes it will and uh you know it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out there's there's a possibility of a number of guys missing on a few rosters right to begin the season speaking of tickets before i forget because i always do that until the very end of the show pair of warriors tickets are up for grabs this week once again with a home game on saturday night first person to get at me email text pigeon carrier doesn't matter four seven five no no i won't i won't just throw your number out there well you can i don't care um i get like 20 random calls from strangers a day anyway so what's the difference uh first person to get at me and tell me what the theme for this saturday's game is pretty simple it's all over their social media should be real easy gotta be local gotta be able to go to the game just get at me however you want and win yourself a pair of warriors tickets tell me what the theme is for saturday night at the Rodge. better be a rib night too brad yeah we only got two more opportunities for rib night i've been I've been holding out. I can't wait. Me too. It's the best night of the year. All right. Uh, individual parlays then. Evan, you're up. I'm going a bit conservative on this week. Uh, some of the odds were not sitting, you know, but, you know, this thing, the bookies have done their homework. They've got, they've, they've got these things pretty nailed down. So here we go. Philadelphia, Albany. I'm, the Firewolves are the underdogs in this game. But I'm going to give myself some leeway. There is a plus 2.5. Just click on the arrow next to the handicap. You can go to 2.5 as a minus 167. Buffalo, Georgia, I've got the bandits on the money line for a minus 172. And Toronto, Halifax, I've got Toronto on the money line for a minus 133. Add that up. That's quite cowardly, Evan. That's 343, which will pay out, what is it, 100... No way. It pays out, no, sorry, it pays out 88.59. Thank you. Even I could do that math, Evan. There's no way that was hitting 100 bucks. All right, uh, Brad, I hope you're swinging a little harder than that pop foul. No, if that was a pop foul, mine might be, uh, I don't know, a uh, A bunt. I'm not going to call this. I'm not calling this strikeout until it happens, but yeah, maybe this is a bunt and check uh, swing strikeout. Quick sprint, quick sprint to first. Okay. Um, Like Evan said, like the biggest underdog of the week is Panther City at plus 190, which is not even that tasty. There's been some, what was the biggest underdog we saw this year? It was like plus 500. So things have really cooled down here over the last, uh, over the last few weeks, but. I'm going to play it safe. can still win some, some jumbo bucks here. I got the Toronto rock on the money line at minus minus one thirty three, And then I'm liking the handicap the last couple of weeks. They've really hit well for me. Um, so the mammoth of the underdogs at plus 1.5 here against Saskatchewan. So I like that after I said it was Saskatchewan home at all Colorado has to do is keep it closer. Win that's at minus one ninety two, and the Vancouver warriors plus 1.5 at minus minus one sixty seven. Tally that all up. Odds are only three twenty six. But twenty bucks will win you sixty five for a total of eighty five nineteen. So, right. still walking away with something. I'll pick up the slack here. 
And I am going strictly point spread or handicap, as Brad likes to say. And I really like this. Uh, I like to keep it symmetrical. Like, I like going all over-unders or all money line or all handicap here. So this is what I've done. Albany at plus 1.5 at home. Thank you very much for a minus 114. Riptide at home over the struggling Nighthawks for a minus 1.5 at plus 1. And Colorado at plus 1.5 at Saskatchewan for a minus 192. Don't love those odds, but I think Colorado gets it done in fine fashion here against the Rush. That is a plus 585, fellas. 20 jumbo dollars, a cool bet return of 137.04. Yeah, it might be a double, maybe halfway to third. Caught by, yeah. caught between the bags, go back to second. Try to get the third, go back to second. Come on. You know. That is a stand-up double. But yeah. <laughs> that is a stand-up double. Anything over 500, yeah, that's a two-base knock. Taking it. All right, boys. Uh, oh, we got our combo here. Let's get this in here quickly. We've got our combo. So it, we don't have what the odds are going to be yet on CoolBet, but you can go on CoolBet. You will be able to find this parlay. Just search for Lax Class, Lacrosse Classified in the search bar, and you'll find it. It's going to start with Jumbo's pick, which is the New York Riptide Rochester over 22. 21.5. 21.5. fest. It is going to be Rad Challenger's pick, which is the Warriors plus 1.5. And my pick, the Albany Firewolves plus 2.5. Oh, you boosted that up. Okay. And that was, what's the deal on that? Oh, we don't know yet. We don't know yet. So we'll we'll find out pretty soon here. Well, just lay down the, the cake. Again, praise us royally when you win. Don't blame us if you lose. It's not our fault. Uh, but thanks for playing along. Don't forget to use that bonus code LAXCLASS. Uh, another big program is in the books here. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week, every week. With a fresh new episode right here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. To Eli McLaughlin and Jimmy Quinlan, thanks for hopping on the pod this week. To our sponsors, of course, Stampede Tack, Associated Labels and Packaging, Rycor Construction, the Vancouver Warriors, and Cool Bet Canada. We thank you for your continued support this podcast. Support our sponsors. That's how you keep this thing rolling. But now we're rolling out of here for Evan Scheminar and Brad Schellner. I've been Jake Elliott for the fastest game on TFA. For the creator, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay classified.